All right, Maple Grove, uh, buckle up. You get ready. We are gonna, uh, we're going to go down deep and come back up wet, all right? Hey, 2,000 years ago, uh, God breathed, and Paul put the paper these powerful words. Uh, lean in. These are the very words of the living God. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son and gave himself up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or anxiety or insecurity or hurt or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I look three people in the eye and tell them, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then God breathed these, wall, these words through David 3,000 years ago. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart is not afraid. Though war breaks out against me, still, I'm confident. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be in your presence. The fact that you, holy and righteous and mighty and strong and powerful, would allow us in your presence is astounding. And God, I pray that you'd open up our hearts and minds, that we'd lean in, that our hearts this morning, each of ours, will be fertile soil, God, to receive your word. Uh, God, help me to share your truth in the way you Deserve it to be shared and help those in this room to listen to your truth the way it deserves to be listened to. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning, Maple Grove. Good morning. Hey, welcome to our final conversation in our series, Overcome the Challenges That We Face. Like, come on, I, I mean, have we had a great time uh, the last few weeks or what? I, I mean, it has been awesome. It's been an incredible time in this room. And, and here's the deal. You are an amazing, unique masterpiece of God. And God has plans for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you hope in the future. And, and there are good works that God has planned in advance for you to do. Yes, there is abundant life, like I'm serious, life in all its fullness that Jesus Christ has already made available to you. However, however, there, there's an enemy who hates you and who's doing everything he can to kill and destroy that life. And unfortunately, he's pretty good at it. And four of his most effective weapons in destroying the life and destroying your destiny in Christ are insecurity, anxiety, hurt, and fear. Uh, since September the, excuse me, since February the 17th, we've, we've gathered in this room and, and we, we've worshipped 
our Savior King, and we learn how to overcome each of these challenges that we all have or will face at one time or another. Understand, when the winds and waves of anxiety come crashing over my life, I'm going to work my calms. I'm going to celebrate the greatness and goodness of God. I'm going to ask God for help. I'm going to leave my worries with God. I'm going to meditate on good stuff. And I'm going to start doing what I know. And when when the enemy starts to beat me down with feelings of insecurity that makes me feel bad about who I am, I'm going to run. I'm going to run and replace the lies of the enemy with the confidence that's in God. And when I feel the sting and pain of hurt because someone has abandoned me, betrayed me, wronged me, lied about me, and when those feelings of bitterness and anger and resentment and unforgiveness begin to take root, I'm going to overcome that by being brave, by being honest about my hurt, by releasing my right to get even, by asking God to help the person who hurt me, by valuing basking in the persistent presence of God, and then expecting to walk in a new freedom and peace. That's where we've been. And this is good stuff. All the conversation online this morning, we're going to talk about overcoming fear in a conversation I'm calling Making Fear Your Friend. Fear. Got any? Fear is a powerful emotion. I mean, it can be a crippling emotion. And everyone, everyone has felt it at one time or another. When I say everyone, I mean everyone. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, David, Jeremiah, Esther, Mary, Joseph, Peter, Paul. Everyone. Raise your hand if you've ever battled with fear in your life. Okay? Turn to three people and tell them you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. And, and, and because fear is so powerful and so prevalent, the command to not be afraid or to fear not is the most spoken command in the entire Bible. I mean, over and over again, from Genesis to Revelation, we see God telling his people to not be afraid and, and, to, and to fear not hundreds of times. And understand, as with anxiety, insecurity, and hurt, fear wants to kill and destroy the life that God created you to live. And so fear attacks you with things, with, with feelings like the, the fear of death, the fear of failure, the fear of defeat, the fear of rejection, the fear of being alone, the fear of being found out, the fear of messing up, the fear of looking silly, stupid, or inadequate, the fear of the opinions of other people, the fear that something might happen to you physically, relationally, emotionally, financially, the fear of not measuring up. The fear of not being up to the task before you. And then there's what I think is, you know, the fear's most powerful and effective weapon. It's that unknown, unnamed, hard to nail down, but yet very real sense of dread and worry that often settles in and surrounds us. You know that dark and life-draining feeling of dread produced by fear's two favorite words? What if? What if I try and fail? What if I succeed? What what if I get the promotion? What if I don't get the promotion? What if I can't have a child? What if I have a child and I'm a lousy parent? What if this new move is the wrong move? 
What if I don't get into the college I want to get into? What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't measure up? What if I stumble? What if I fall? What if they reject me? What if it doesn't ever get better? What if I can never turn things around? What if, what if, what if? And listen, fear is a big deal. Number one, because it, it causes us to hide from God and, and from the dreams and intentions he has for us like it did for Adam in Genesis 3. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. By the way, this is where fear entered our world because I was naked, so I hid. It's also a big deal because it causes us to run from our destiny and cower in the hillside as we look down into the valley that we know we should be in, kind of like we see in 1 Samuel 17. As a 10-foot giant Goliath haunts God's people, God's soldiers. That Philistine said, this day I will defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let, it, let us fight each other. When hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Down to verse 24. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, whenever you thought about your what if, they all fled from him in great fear. So who's the, who's the giant that's been taunting you in your valley? And here's the bottom line as I see it. Fear is the bully that stands in the doorway of your destiny. And this morning, March 10, 2019, uh, we're not only going to learn how to overcome and, and get by that bully, but we're going to learn how to make that bully our friend. And, and listen, I, I'm, I'm convinced, and, and, and I, I, I stand upon the, the authority of God. I'm convinced that some people in this room who've been held captive by fear, perhaps for years, are going to knock this bully to the ground. And begin walking in a new kind of freedom, walking into their destiny. You see, the greatest threat to your destiny, my destiny, it's not circumstances and people, it's fear. It's fear. Let's do this. Make in fear your friend. There's six things you need to do. But let me say something before we jump in. Um, God never told you to not feel afraid, He told you to not be afraid. In other words, at times you will feel afraid, right? Moses, Joshua, you will feel afraid. However, you do not have to be afraid. You do not have to live in that fear and let that fear control you, impact you, limit you, and imprison you. Yeah, I feel afraid, but I'm not going to be afraid. Get it? Good. Okay, here's the first thing you need to do. Buckle up. First, fear the Lord. That's right, the first step in overcoming fear is fear. <laughs> Sounds counterintuitive, right? But stick with me. Because the fear of the Lord is important, it's essential, it's critical, it's non-optional. And I really want to drill down on this. First step in making fear your friend. 
Check this out. I did some research using BibleGateway.com, and there's 180 verses, give or take, from Genesis to Revelation that talk about the fear of the Lord, which means what? That the fear of the Lord is like a big deal. It's a huge deal. Here's four of those 180 plus verses. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but the fear of the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Jesus said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the killing of the body has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Acts 9.31, then the church throughout Judea, Galatia, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthening, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. See, the fear of the Lord leads to growth in the church and maybe we need to fear him more. Revelation 19.5, then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you, his servants, you who what? Fear him, both small and great. Okay, let's drill down. The fear of the Lord, F-O-T-L, fear of the Lord, I abbreviate it, save me typing, okay? Uh, it, it, the fear of the Lord is foundational, right? Uh, our foundation's important, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that foundations are foundational, right? They're important. And, and, and so the fear of the Lord is foundational. Foundational what? It's foundational to your relationship with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I understand, you know, there's an order to things, and in order to, to end right, we have to begin right. And our relationship with God must begin with the fear of the Lord. And I want to give you an analogy that may help you understand this. It helps me. I've been a parent since March the 20th, 1984. I know that surprises some of you. How can you have children when you were two years old? It's a miracle. Happens sometimes. And not really. And the foundational philosophy of my parenting can be summed up by these words. The fear of dad is the beginning of knowledge. That's right. The first things I wanted my children to do was to fear me. And stick with me. Don't go all PC on me, all right? Again, an essential core of my parenting philosophy for 35 years is the fear of dad. If you ask any of my kids, I think they back, back me up on it. Matter of fact, I called Chelsea this morning in Indiana, and I said, here's what I'm going to say about you growing up and the fear of dad, and here's what I'm going to say. She goes, that would be true statements, dad. <laughs> and by the way, she texted me later, I love you, and I sure wish we were still doing church together. And sometimes all it took was a look, two raised eyebrows. I did, they can go like up here, man, and, and tone of my voice. Now, why did I want my kids to fear me? Well, it's because I'm mean and I like to dominate weaker things. No. It's because I love them. It's because I want to protect them. It's because I, I know things that they can't see or understand that will hurt them physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Like riding in their bike in the middle of a busy street. Like touching those cool little red rings on top of a stove. Dating someone who's trying to push them to cross sexual boundaries, being dishonest, not doing their best, or being respectful, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
And because I can see they're about the head, so we're dangerous, I want when I say, stop, don't touch that, don't go there, you're breaking up with him. You're not going to act that way. I don't want them to hesitate or to debate me. Now, I know some kids fear their dads for all the reasons. I'm not saying that. And, 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 and let me say this. The fear of dad is the beginning of the relationship. It's not the totality of it. And Chelsea backed me up on this too. Call her up. <laughs> you see, there's love and support and concern and security, and protection, and friendship, and encouragement. Here's the deal. If all there was was fear, the relationship would be terrible. But, but if there was no fear, then my kids would have to experience some pain and stuff. They didn't need to have to experience that pain and stuff. Right? I hope that makes sense. The fear of God is the beginning. It's foundational. Fear of God is a good idea, number one, because of who God is. Like, God is powerful. I think sometimes we forget that, and God goes, to whom will you compare me? Like, God's like, who's my equal? He, he says, look up. You see all those stars? I, I, I put them there. Think about that. I mean, astronomers say that the universe is still expanding. I mean, let those four words, let there be light, are still doing their thing. The furthest galaxy is 13 billion light years away. That's 13 billion times 6 trillion miles away. That's like far. (laughs) Our God is more massive than our imagination. He has no equals. He has no rivals. He has no cracks, worries, fears, dilemmas, struggles, peers, or competition. He is God. He is sovereign. He's in control of everything. His will is being done. No one can contain him. No one can stop him. He is God. He is powerful, and he is worthy of our fear. Amen? Amen. It's also a good idea because it's not smart to mess with God. You read the Bible, it's not a good idea. I mean, you show me one person who messed with God, who bowed up at God, and it ended up well. No, there's not one. Next is a good idea because of the incredible benefits. I put these scripture references in your notes to look up. I, I don't have time to read them all. But listen, here are some of the benefits. Scripture says God pours out on those who fear him. He says the angel of the Lord encamps around them, protecting them. He says that they lack nothing. He says that his salvation is near them. He says that he pours out his love and compassion on those who fear him in abundance. It says that he gives his wisdom to how to live life to those who fear him. It says that he fulfills the desires of the heart of those who fear him. He protects those who fear him. He becomes a refuge and a fortress for those who fear him and for their children as well. He gives wealth and honor and life to those who fear him. He extends mercy to those who fear him. And he says that those who fear him, he says, he calls them his child, his bride, and his friends. For the Lord is a life-freeing command. Here's the deal. There's a scripture in Luke. I read it earlier. Fear God. Fear nothing else. Don't fear God. Fear everything else. Jesus said, I'll show you who to fear. You fear God. Now, now if you think fearing God is a good idea, I hope you do. (laughs) 
something you should do. Well, here's how it's lived out. I put some scriptures. Again, I, I can't go into detail. But here's how you and I lived out. We live out, we demonstrate our fear of God by keeping and following his commands, by serving him, by changing your ways, by hating and turning away from evil, by giving God the best that you have. There are ways that scripture says we fear God. Next, to make fear your friend, ride your what ifs straight down to the bottom. What is your scariest what if right now? Like, like, like what doubts, what chatter, what, what noise has threatened to take you down lately? And now perhaps you've already been to the depths of your greatest fear. Maybe you lost a loved one, went through a divorce, or eventually folded in the fight against those creditors. And listen, if you've experienced those things or your own version of those things, believe it or not, you have an advantage over those who haven't. You see, you've proven that in your darkest, most horrific, most excruciating moment, God was there giving you the strength to make it through. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that you should want to go through it again or that God did it just so that he could teach you a lesson. But nevertheless, on your way back up from the bottom, you came up with a gift. The knowledge that God's sustaining power is deeper than the most Searing pain the enemy could throw your way. The knowledge that the sustaining power of God is deeper than the most excruciating pain that the enemy could ever throw your way. And here's what I'm trying to say. Instead of trying to avoid our what-ifs and not think about our what-ifs, I'm saying let's dive headfirst into our what-ifs. Why? Because we know what we're going to find every single time, the faithfulness of our God. In his book, Crash in the Chatterbox, Stephen Furtick talks about going to a Christian counselor to talk to him about he had a friend who was wanting to commit suicide. He writes, he's talking to his counselor, hey, I got a friend who says he wants to kill himself and I don't know what to do. Well, what if, he asked. Excuse me? I'm confused. What if he killed himself? What would happen, he asked. I'd be devastated, right? It'd be one of the worst days of your life. Yes, the worst. I I have no idea how to get through it, but you would. I would what? Get through it. You would get through it, wouldn't you? I guess I would. Somehow God will get me through it. He continues. As I heard myself saying those words, I felt something shift inside. I was still afraid, but not in the same way. My hope was no longer being choked out by fear. Instead, I was wrestling with fear, but holding on to a hope that was higher than the fear and finding a foundation that was stronger. What if that would? God will. God will get me through this. Somehow, some way, no matter what happens, God will be at the bottom, and because I built my house on the rock, it will stand. What if? I mean, you fell in the blank. What if making this move is a mistake? What if the cancer comes back? What if you lose your job? What if your marriage can't be restored? What if you never will be able to turn things around? What if they never will forgive you? <laughs> what, if you're, what if my ministry fails? That would, that would hurt. That would be terrible. That would be difficult. That would be devastating. That would be terrifying. Now the key is not to stay down too deep in the, that would. It's like being in the bottom of the pool. You can hold your breath for a while, but eventually you're going to drown. 
See, the goal is to assess the fear, not obsess over the fear. Obsess over the fear will suffocate you. And after you identified the fear and acknowledged, man, it would be hard and devastating. I don't know how I'd ever get through it. You need to breathe in the promise and breathe it in deeply. Because even if the worst happens, God will. God will still be the cornerstone of your life. God will still protect you and be your refuge and your shield. God will still lift your head high. God will still restore your joy. God will give you a peace that passes understanding. God will put you back together again. God will make you stronger and better because you went through the fire. God will catch you. God will hold you. God will be with you. God will help you. God will hear you. God will cause all things to work together for the good. God will sustain you. God will get you to the other side. God will make you more than a conqueror. God will walk with you through the valley. God will never leave you or forsake you. God will always be right beside you. First, fear the Lord, and then you ride those what ifs straight down to the bottom. And next, increase your fear of missing out so that it is greater than your fear of messing up. Jesus told a story about a guy who was afraid of messing up. Matthew 25, a dude goes on a journey, a king, gets some guy, hey, here's some stuff, invest it, I'll be back to check up on you. He comes back and check up on one guy, and the guy says, you know what, I was afraid, so I hid what you gave me. And see, this guy didn't give him that money to hide, he wanted to invest, and he rebukes a guy, calling him a wicked and lazy servant. Has the fear of messing up ever kept you from doing something that you know God wanted you to do? Like volunteering to teach that class in children's ministry, inviting that neighbor to church for Easter, going back to school, writing that book, reaching out and trying to hurt, help that person, start tithing on your income, having that difficult conversation, sharing your faith with someone who needs Jesus, trying one more time to make your marriage work, Leading that team, leaving the sidelines and being a serious player at church. I like to see those things happen. What if I mess up? What if I fall? What if I fall short? Listen, you and I will miss every shot we don't take. (laughs) Every shot we don't take, we're going to miss. And listen, you think Moses was afraid? They go back to Egypt. You think Joshua was afraid? You think they felt afraid? You think David felt afraid to walk in the valley? You think Esther felt afraid? But guess what? their, Their fear of missing out on being used by God was greater than their fear of messing up. So David stepped into the valley. Moses went back to Egypt. And Esther walked down that hallway. You think they were glad they took the shot? And here's what I'm trying to say. When we are controlled by the fear of messing up, there's a good chance that we'll miss out on something that God has for us. And we'll just stay, I'm just too afraid. I'm not even going to try because I could mess up. And we're going to miss out on something. How do I know? Because of all the good things that God brought into my life, the times that I pushed through fear, when I was afraid to do something. And, And, you know, two examples you guys get to see every time you come to church. You know, you know, when I was an older guy, 
you know, when I was 43 and God, you know, God called me to adopt a girl from, a little girl from China. I had no money. I was afraid. When he called us adopt again and I had no money, I was afraid. But I pushed through that fear. And I got to tell you, I, I wouldn't trade Mei Li and Gentile for all the money in the stinking world, right? And man, you know what? If I'm, I don't, I, I'm too old to be a dad, we're going financial ruin. I don't know what to do. We're too old. I, just, if, if I had let the, my fear of messing stop me, I'd have missed out. I just got to ask you, ask us, how many God-given dreams have you and I left unrealized because fear placed us in a prison that we could not escape from? I mean, it just didn't happen because we're so afraid of messing up. And so if you want to make, make fear your friend, you increase your fear. I, I don't want to miss out on what God's doing. I, I, yeah, I'm afraid, but man, I don't want to miss out. I want to be a part of what's happening. Amen? Increase your fear of missing out so it's greater than your fear of messing up. Now, these, uh, the, the, these, last, these last three things you got to do to make uh, fear your friend. And, and, uh, and I get fear. Believe what I tell you. Just like I get insecurity and hurt and, and anxiety, like I'm messed up. You know, fear has held me back in my life. Fear has stopped me from doing things that maybe I should have done. Yeah, there's sometimes I got great things. There's sometimes I, you know, I wussed out <laughs> and, and I missed out, okay? And, and so here, here, here are these last three. And, and they, they come from a, a story in 2 Kings chapter 6. And, and what is going on is Israel's divided into two kingdoms. You got North Israel, south you got Judah, and the king of, of Aram is wanting to capture the king of Israel. So he sets up these ambushes to try to capture him. But every time that, that he sets an ambush, Elisha the prophet tells the king of Israel, hey, don't go there. There's an ambush and you don't want to run into that. Okay? And, and so, so then what happens is, well, let, let's pick up the reading from there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called the officers together and demanded, which of you is a traitor? I got a leak in my administration, go figure. <laughs> Who's been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha the prophet of Israel tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak and the prophecy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is so I can send troops to seize him. The poor came back, Elisha is in Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses around the city. When a servant of the man of God, Elijah's servant, got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried out to Elisha. You ever been there? I mean, like one morning, I mean, you went to bed, everything was fine. And yet you wake up and find out that your life and your city is surrounded by the enemy. I mean, you didn't see it coming. But all of a sudden, you're trapped. You feel afraid. You don't know what to do. And sometimes the enemy that surrounds us, it's a health problem of our own or a loved one. Sometimes it's a financial problem or a relational problem or the fear of rejection or failure. But whatever it is, the bottom line is you're afraid and, and you don't know what to do. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. For the more on our side than on theirs. And Elijah prayed, oh, Lord, open the eyes and open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, 
he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So here's what you need to do. The E, evaluate your fear. To see whether what you're feeling, is it a warning from God or is it a threat from the enemy, right? You know, God warns us when we're about to do something dumb or stupid, right? And, and, and we got to learn to discern, hey, is what I'm feeling right now is because I'm about to do something stupid or wrong and that's why I'm feeling this and God's warning me or is it a threat from the enemy designed to, to limit me and pack me, control me, imprison me and, and, and here's these simple tests and, and uh, everything's on the line if you want to you know, see it later. Number one, a warning from God is rooted in truth. A threat from the enemy is embedded with lies. So what you're feeling, does it square with scripture, Okay. Uh, number two, number two, a warning from God revolves around what will happen. A threat from the enemy revolves around what might happen, right? Enemy's like, it's that, it's that, it's that what if thing happening again, right? You know, uh, what if this happens, right? Um, and what God says is, hey, whatever I say, it will happen, right? It's not a might, it, it will happen. These are the consequences for your actions. Number three, a warning from God, it motivates, gets you going the right direction, a threat from the enemy, it paralyzes, right? Like it puts his foot on your neck and you just can't go anywhere. Number four, a warning from God instructs specifically. Here's what you need to do. A threat from the enemy condemns vaguely. Just makes that dark cloud that just say, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be right with God. Why even bother? Number five, a warning from God is designed to keep you in the game. Hang in there. Don't give up. Cross the Jordan. Go back to Egypt. I'm with you. A threat from the enemy is designed to take you out of the game. So you've got to evaluate. Hey, what am I feeling? Is, it a, is God trying to warn me? Or is this a threat from the enemy just trying to paralyze me? Next, never forget that whatever is surrounding you, God is already surrounding it. it. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Like, like Elisha is so chill. The servant is freaking out. He's kind of new on the job because Elisha's old servant was taking kickbacks and he got fired, basically. And so this guy, is like, he's like new on the job. It's like, you know, he's going out to get the paper. Next thing you know, they're surrounded by an army. He's like totally freaking out. And Elisha is just so cool. Hey, hey, don't be afraid. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And several looks around. Okay, I see me. I see you. You know, I'm not a mathematician, but you and me makes two. <laughs> it's not a lot. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And I am confident he prayed that prayer out loud. You know why? Because if he didn't, then the servant might think that the reason there's chariots of fire is because Elisha prayed for those chariots of God to be there. But listen, the breakthrough in this story is not when God does something for his people. No, the breakthrough is when his people see what God's already doing. When, God, when he sees that God is like, he's already there. And he's been there. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. Listen. Never forget, whatever is surrounding you, God is surrounding it. I don't care how big it is, how hard it is, whatever is surrounding you, your God is surrounding it. 
The psalmist writes, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. The one who is in you, church, is greater than the one who is in the world. If something is surrounding you this morning, a problem, a, a conflict, a difficulty, our God is greater. Our God is greater. Look three people in the eye and tell them our God is greater. Our God is greater. Listen, listen, listen. We don't have to fear what we face when we know who we are trusting in. We don't have to fear what we face when we know who we are trusting in. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And this Hebrews passage. And you know in your notes, like, either I print the scripture out, I have the reference in there for you every week, all right? Because go home, read God's word. It's much better than mine. Okay, this is a killer verse right here. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6. And some of you, I think God brought you here just to hear this from him. God has said, I will never fail you. Other people might. Maybe they have. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Other people have. Maybe they are right now. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. Amen? First, fear the Lord. Ride your what ifs to the bottom. Increase your fear of missing out so it's greater than your fear of messing up. Evaluate your fears. Is that from God or, or is it a threat from the enemy? Never forget that whatever surrounding you, God is surrounding it. And finally, drive fear out of your life. See, see, I've learned that fear will just not evaporate. <laughs> it's got to be evicted. <laughs> it's got to be driven out. And now let's finish our story. And Elisha, as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed. What a great thing to do, right? You know, he prayed. He didn't seek counsel from somebody. He didn't start freaking out. He didn't watch a webinar. <laughs> I don't know, not that those things are bad. But when the enemy was coming, he prayed. He prayed. Maybe we should do the same, right? I don't always. When I see the enemy approaching, I freak out. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm scared. As the enemy came toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elijah asked. Elijah told them, this is not the road. He's being a little, a little deceptive here. This is not the road. This is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man. By the way, I am the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria, the capital city of Israel, after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, <laughs> open the eyes of these men so they can see. 
The Lord opened their eyes and they stood there and they're inside of Samaria. Like, okay, now we're inside enemy territory. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked, shall I kill them, father? Shall I kill them? I'd like to kill them. Would you let me kill them? Please let me kill them. Please let me kill them. Do not kill them. (laughs) Would you kill men you've captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away. And they returned to the master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. So Elisha, he drove them out. He, he drove them out of town. He, he, he drove them out of a place where they could hurt him. He drove them out of a place where they could hold him captive. See, we don't get rid of fear by wishing it would just go away, but by following Christ and driving it out of our lives. And listen, I'm here to tell someone that fear has led your life long enough. And today, March 10th, 2019, It's time for you to tell your fear, hey, fear, you got to go. Fear, you are no longer welcome in my life. Fear, I am done with you. I'm done with you limiting me. I'm done with you holding me back. I'm done with you imprisoning me. I'm done with you telling me who I am and who I'm not who I can become. I'm done with you telling me who I can be and who I can't be. Fear, there was someone so much bigger and stronger than me, than you, surrounding my life. Fear, I'm holding to the truth of Psalm 32, verse 10. The Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. The Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him and fear. I know that perfect love will drive you out, as John said in 1 John 4, 18. Got to go. Thanks for being my friend. First fear the Lord. Ride your what is straight down to the bottom. Increase your fear of missing out so that it's greater than your fear of messing up. Evaluate your fears. Never forget whatever's surrounding you. God is surrounding it and drive fear out of your life. And what do the first letters spell? Friend. Friend. You know, and I did these acrostics for me. From comms to run to brave to friend. Because I got to tell you, insecurity, anxiety, and hurt and fear have been like sometimes my four stinking horsemen <laughs> that have held me back. And I needed something to remember them by. And so, you know, fear really can be your friend. If it drives you to fear the Lord, right? If it drives you to, to, to ride your what ifs to the bottom, if it leads you to say, well, hey, I'm not going to miss out on something that God has for me. If it helps you to, hey, I'm going to evaluate, wait, this is from God or not from God. If it reminds you, hey, it doesn't matter whatever comes my way because whatever is surrounding me, God is surrounding it. Yeah. Fear, I think you really are my friend. If it leads to that. Amen.